Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. I want to take us back. We're going to continue in the book of Acts. We're going to read a little bit of, uh, from Acts chapter 13. But I want to take us to Acts chapter 2 for a second to remind us of kind of where we're coming from when we opened up the book of Acts several months ago. Acts chapter 2 at the end says this, 42, says, They committed the disciples themselves to the teachings of the apostles, the what? The life together. The common meal and the prayers. And it's like what we do, even on a weekly basis, we are committing ourselves to the teaching and the worship and the common meal. Even Angie did such a brilliant job taking us through communion together. We do that for the first Sunday of every single month. And then every single week that we gather, we, we pray for one another. There's prayer cards in the back of the room that you're able to write down those prayers. And then a team of people throughout the week prays for them. And then we Pray for them as well, even here on our Sunday morning gatherings, just to remind ourselves we're not alone. Amen? To remind ourselves that there's people with us, praying with us, um, believing in this life together with us. We don't feel like we're always on this island. So that's our reminder in Acts chapter 2, that this is the life together. And then I want to read Acts chapter 13, just the first three verses. You with me? You feeling Okay. I'm going to need you to give me a little bit today because I'm given what I have in this achy little throat of mine, okay? Thank you, thank you. Okay, we're good. Glad you're here. This is great. We need all of you. Acts chapter 13. We ready? One through three. Now, <clears throat> there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, and then it names a few people. It says Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend, of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now I wanna give a little quick brief history of what's going on in this moment. We find ourselves in Acts chapter 13. If you read the entire book of Acts, this is kind of like the turning of the, of the page in a sense where the first few chapters was uh, a lot of what Peter's story was and how this, the, the church was beginning to spread and his influence. And then right here in Acts chapter 13, we are introduced to now the movement of what Saul eventually becomes Paul the apostle in the planting of churches beyond. This is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where he said, now make disciples and essentially cast this church out in many different lands from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. This is where Acts chapter 13, we find ourselves. This is the ends of the earth fulfillment. Paul and Barnabas are prayed over and then they're sent out to start churches all over the world. And here we are today because of that movement, amen? But in the first verse, it highlights some of these folks that were there in Antioch. Antioch would have been an incredibly diverse city and you see all these different people coming together under the name of Jesus spreading the gospel, and it names a few folks. You got Barnabas, and then you got Simeon, who is called Niger. Simeon would have been a black man. This is what, why they would have called him Niger. And he's gathering as a teacher, a prophet with those in Antioch, committed to the gospel and the spreading of the gospel. This is who's sitting at the table at this point. If you look all the way back in Acts chapter 2, it would have been only Israelites, the Jewish people. Now it's beginning to spread 
to what I said earlier, the ends of the earth, all people are beginning to gather. Lucius of Cyrene, we don't know much about Lucius. Then you have this man, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch would have been Herod Antipas, and Herod Antipas would have been the guy who would have had John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, beheaded. And we're looking at this guy named Menaean, and theologians actually believe that he wasn't just a friend of Herod the Tetrarch. He might have actually been a foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch. So I don't know about you if you got a twin brother or a sister or a brother in your life or some family member that one went the direction of beheading Jesus' cousin and also being a part of the trial to kill Jesus, and the other one is spreading the good news of Jesus. Do we see the difference of paths that were taken even within just this family? Then you have, of course, Saul. These are the individuals that are gathered, this beautiful, diverse group of people that are committed to the gospel, committed to this beautiful message of Jesus, committed to spreading it to not only Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. In the book of Acts so far, we've seen so many different things take place. We've seen the conversion of Saul becoming just a a Pharisee who's sending Jesus followers to death. Now he's actually speaking the name of Jesus. We've seen persecutions. We've seen amazing miracles take place. And now here we are at the table with a very incredibly diverse, beautifully diverse people committed to the gospel and spreading the gospel forward. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk today about this idea of diversity here within the early church and how that actually applies to us today in our church. And then challenging us of what it looks like to participate in building life together. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this reminder that all people are gathered under the banner, the name of Jesus. And there's this beautiful diversity that's taking place. And because of that, the good news, the gospel is spread to the ends of the earth. And here we are today, recipients of it. God, we're grateful. We love you. Bless this message. Bless every single person under the sound of my voice this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. When I was a kid, uh, and like many kids, uh, Christmas morning was like the morning, right? Outside of maybe your birthday, like this is like a really beautiful morning. For those who have young kids, you know this. Uh, There's a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. And if you uh, also were like me, maybe you're grown now, um, you kind of got like, I don't know, a sneak peek of all the presents that you're going to get under that tree because you knew where your parents hid all those gifts. Okay, now look, I'm not condoning this. So if, if you have kids, make sure you lock these gifts up if you care enough for them to be surprised on Christmas morning. If you don't care, then whatever. You might as well just give it to them on December 1st. It doesn't really matter anyways. But for me... I was incredibly strategic with me and my sister that we found out where these gifts were hidden, whether that was in the upstairs attic room or whether that was in my parents' closet behind their clothes. Look, these weren't the best spots probably to hide stuff because I'm not dumb and I know how to get around the house. So this is what my sister and I would do. We'd come home from school, get dropped off from the school bus, we'd get into our house. We knew when my parents were coming home from work and we, would, we had a good window of time to like, you know, sneak through these bags and find out where the stuff was hidden. 
So we can kind of be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got the new Batman toy. And like, but then I had to wait for like 20 days to get it or something like that, right? This one particular Christmas, so my sister and I got up to this area up in our attic. We were kind of, you have to be really strategic too when you move the bags. Because one, you don't want to make a bunch of noise just in case something's going on. Maybe they came home early. Or you don't want to move the bag because what if they come and they do some investigation as if they're like, like that smart. Like they're going to totally know the bag was moved. The kids know, take them all back. But this one particular Christmas, we were going through the bag and this and we found this, uh, this CD for the young kids in the room. That's, that's called a compact disc. This is how you would listen to, yeah, this is how you would listen to music. And you'd have to have a CD player, which means you'd put this thing in a, and you guys get it, okay? And it, this was like a band that both of us really listened to. We wanted this particular CD. So now we're kind of like debating, like, who, is it for you? Is it for me? We don't even know. Is this, like, who's, who's going to get this? So we tuck it away and find some other cool stuff we're going to get. And then wouldn't you know it, lo and behold, Christmas morning, we're opening off our gifts. And we already kind of know some of the stuff we're getting. Some things were a surprise. Some things weren't. And we're getting down to like the last gift and it's not there. So then we kind of like look at each other and start kind of like laughing, but also very incredibly confused. Like, did, did, they, what, did they take it back? Like, what do we do? Why is this gift not wrapped and whose is it? Do we tell them, hey, we know about the CD. You forgot to wrap it. Go up in the attic and go get it. Like, that's kind of what we're debating. And we didn't say a word. And I kid you not, to this day, we've never even really fully brought it up because it's like, I guess we're just never going to get the gift. I think about that when it comes to our own lives is that you and I, we have this gift inside of us and I think for some of us, and maybe even, even if you're like me at times in life, you, you kind of just keep it tucked away and you never actually give it. There's this gift that you and I have to give. And, and gifts, for the most part, they're meant to be given. And you also have a gift to be given that that gift is what? To be received. But as silly as the story goes, it's like, I think at times we forget about it. We tuck it away, whether that's out of fear or insecurity or whatever it may be. We just don't allow that gift to be shared with those in our life. And I'm reminded of this verse in 1 Peter. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms that each of us, we should use whatever gift that God has given you, that you have received so that you can give it as well, amen? You know, in Proverbs, it talks about that the life of the generous, those who live a life of generosity gets larger and larger. It increases, and you would know this for those who live an incredibly generous life, those who are, are, are prone to be gift givers on a constant basis, whether that's literal gifts or just the gift of your life, you know that, man, to live a generous life, I truly, internally, I get larger and larger. But this verse in First Peter talking about this idea of giving your gift, whatever gift that you've received, you are given that gift, so then what? You can serve others. That gift is meant to be given, and it's in various forms. And I think about that idea of multiple 
forms, this idea of diversity and taking us back even to Acts chapter 13, these group of individuals that God has called, this beautifully diverse group committed to the gospel to what? Essentially give the gift that God has given them. Amen? Amen. And they're committed to giving that gift. I read this last week in, in the book of Hebrews, the writer reminds the the church there, he says, let us consider how we may, what, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. I love what takes place here on Sunday mornings. I love seeing how many people are engaging there in the lobby space, grabbing coffee and and grabbing donuts and talking and sitting down in the booths and hanging out and then eventually coming in here and we get to worship together. That so many of us have stepped into this position of loving and serving one another so well that my challenge to us would be that you find yourself in that position and you start looking around in the room here and those who attend on a regular basis, or maybe you attend every other week or every fourth week or maybe every 10th week. It's okay. I'm not judging you. But this is the challenge that you'd be a person that spurs one another on, that we challenge one another. This is what true life together is. The church was never meant just to sit and view and watch. It was truly meant to be participants in that you're participating in the spreading of the good news and spreading of the gospel, amen? And that we would kind of look at each other maybe on our row or we see each other out in the main lobby area and we can encourage one another. And that's why I'm so grateful for all those who have stepped into a position of serving here at Four City Church, whether that's in the kids area or youth or here on the weekends or our worship team, wherever it may be, you're saying, I'm in. I want to serve what God is doing. I want to serve one another. This is where life together goes to a whole nother level is that we're able to look at each other and say, hey, I'm going to spur you on. I'm going to encourage you towards love and good deeds. Amen? Amen? And it takes us to the story of Acts chapter 13. We see this diverse group of people and because of the beautiful diversity God then began to spread this news out to the ends of the earth using the beautiful diversity. And I think about a room like this, an amazing, beautiful, diverse group of people coming together every single week, lifting up the name of Jesus together, lifting each other up in prayer, being there with our brothers and sisters in Christ, spurring one another on. See, that was their story, and here's our story. And the question that I ask all of us is, will you participate in building life together? Will you participate in this story, the story that's being written here in Rockford, Illinois, Four City Church on 1280 South Alpine Road? Will you participate in this story that's being written? Amen? I was thinking this week, I was... I do some really weird things to so just kind of go with me, but I was, I was thinking about like really famous paintings and um, one of the most famous paintings, and even though you can't like necessarily hang it up, um, maybe parts of it you can, 
but is, is the Sistine Chapel. It's this little room that I've never been there. If you've been there, you can tell me all your beautiful stories, but it took a little over four years to finish this entire painting. And a lot of it, Michelangelo was standing, painting and paint stripping his eyes. He was asked later about it, um, how miserable it was. He actually didn't enjoy it at all. But it's this beautiful, amazing tapestry of beauty of different, different stories that are being told. And you can go there and only see it for a little bit. And then you got to like make your way out. And I was just thinking about like a beautiful painting or something to this degree of that taking that long. And then there's been revisions that have had it taken place after the four years. But I was asking myself, I wonder what paint stroke was the most important one. And you could, you know, I don't know, maybe it was the first one because that's what got him started. You know, he took that first paintbrush and went red. And then he started going yellow. And it was his first, it must be the first one. That's the most important. Then I was saying, well, you could also argue that maybe it was like, it was the last one because then it was complete. The project was done and he could go home. <laughs> and, then, and it made this amazing, beautiful work of art. It was the last paint stroke that, that, that that's the most important one, right? And I think, of, I was thinking about like, couldn't we argue that every single one is the most important one? Because every single one, it created this amazing, beautiful image. And when I think about the church, it's not one or the other. It has to be every single one. That's what makes it beautiful and amazing. Amen? So this idea of a beautiful, diverse church that's serving and doing life together coming together each and every single week, serving. That's what I love so much about that video with Kids Around the World is that so many of you showed up to pour lentils in a little yellow cylinder and carry rice on your back and seal these bags and put them in boxes. And it was kind of this routine thing. And then you get to kind of go home and be like, well, that was a really beautiful Saturday or a really beautiful Sunday. And then you're able to see like, oh, I was a part of something so huge and we won't even know the stories of what took place with some of these bags that you pack, these food, these meal bags. That's when I think about the church. This beautiful, diverse church coming together, lending the value that you have, the gift that you have. And friend, let me tell you, the person in your row, they probably don't have the same thing you have because they're not you. But you are as necessary as they are. So let me say this to you. You have value and your value is meant to be shared. It is meant to be shared. Amen. As you walked in, you'd have received one of these pieces of paper. If you didn't, it's okay. We're going to have them at the back. So when you walk out, you'll have one to grab. But, um, and if someone next to you has it, why don't you just cheat off of him or her and, and, and read it with them. There's a lengthy passage of scripture we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Instead of us putting on the screen, I wanted all of us to have it in our hand. It's just a reminder of even Paul writing to these churches that were spreading throughout the world, reminding these churches that, hey, you are one body, many members, but one body. So I'm going to read this, and I want you to read along with me. 
with this piece of paper in your hand. Like I said, if you don't have one, just kind of cheat off the person next to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ, for in one spirit, we are, bapt- we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak or indispensable and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given, giving greater, greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers for city, if one member suffers, all suffer what? Together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amen? One body, many members. Friends, you find yourself in one of these beautiful blue chairs today and you're saying, I don't really know what I have to give. Friend, you have so much and it's necessary that we begin to be gift givers. Those who are constantly stepping into the position of saying, I want to be a part of what's taking place, building this amazing body. A couple months ago, we sent out a survey to uh, many who serve on our weekend teams about couple of different questions. And one of the questions, what do you love about serving at Four City Church? These are just some of the, the responses that I thought were really cool. People I serve with and people I meet along the way. That's one of my favorite parts. Getting to know the people. We are all different from each other and together we make a great team. We get some time to learn more about each other. Another person wrote, it's been great getting to know new people and making new friends. I really enjoy meeting others that are serving on the same weekends as us. It also gives me much deeper feeling of community. Community and how we all help each other. Another person wrote, meeting new people, community and belonging. Lastly, our team is like a family. If you're here at Four City and you've been coming around for a while and maybe you're new and you're saying, I, I just, I, I want to find connection. I want to find relationships. I want to be able to find a way to connect to my church. I'm telling you, this is one of those areas that you can find relationships and connections. It's serving on a team. It's serving with our kids department. It's serving in our youth. It's serving on the weekend teams. 
because it's not just getting tasks done. I think in the, in the past of this church, and I know a lot of the history of this church, serving was this, I, it, was, it was exclusively about generosity, which it still is very much at the core of serving. That's what we just talked about, about just giving back. I, I feel good when I give back. Those are all true statements. But what we have found in the last couple years is that people are so desperate to find relationships and connections. This is a, an amazing way to find those relationships and connections is serving on a team together. Because each and every single week that you serve, you get to see people, ask them about their family, ask them how work is, find out what's going on in their life. Maybe breaking bread with one another during service or after service or a donut. You can break those too. Praying for one another. Finding out what's going on with their kids. Find out that they just lost their job. Find out that their mom just got cancer. And now you can sit with them. Love on them. Pray with them. And friend, let me tell you this. You're going to be in that exact same spot if you already haven't been. Man, I just wish I had a team of people. I wish I had a community that would know where I'm at in this season that would just pray for me or just put their arm around my shoulder. So imploring us, I'm challenging all of us, calling this place home to say, you know what? I've been sitting around for too long. I've been sitting in here too long. And it's my time to step into a position of serving each other serving one another so that this church continues to build in such a beautiful way because there's a story attached to the seat that is empty that is next to you that's looking to be filled amen we want to build a beautifully diverse church it requires every single person as we chart this path forward. I'm going to speak to some of the folks who've been around this church for a long time. And if I step on your toe, that's fine. We can talk afterwards. I love you. This is what I've found in conversations that I've had and different interactions. And this isn't everyone. This is just your, your, some of the knee-jerk response. Is that we're not who we used to be. I wish we did this. Why don't we do this anymore? Those are real feelings. Those are real questions. And it's necessary to talk about them. But here's my challenge. We can no longer be more loyal to a past that no longer exists than to a future waiting to be discovered. can no longer be more loyal to a past that no longer exists than to a future waiting to be discovered. It is in our human nature to always, friend, always, whether it's in a space like this or at your job or in your family, whatever it may be, to always look back and wish it was. Friends, can I just remind us, it doesn't exist. What does exist is today and us moving forward. And it requires all of us to step into that. Amen? It's my last thing I'll share. And then I'll pray. And then I'll give us kind of some call to action. 
heard this said before, and it's this old African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So friends, we are building this beautiful, diverse church filled with gifts, filled with people with amazing value to be shared. It is not meant to be stored up in the proverbial addict of our lives, but is meant to be shared and unwrapped and given. Does that take courage? Yes. Yes. We can do it though. We can do it. Amen. I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna issue us our next challenge uh, today. But can we bow our heads and just pray together? God, thank you for the story that you've written in history, ancient history, and now we are to participate in that story moving forward. God, you, not by accident, planted every single one of us in the city of Rockford and Belvedere and Roscoe and Rockton and Rochelle and Mount Morris. God, you've planted us in Oregon and Byron. God, you put us in all this beautiful area to participate in this life together with you, Jesus, and here at Four City Church. And I do pray that, God, we would look inwardly and feel the challenge of saying, what can I do? What gift is inside of me? What, what value do I actually have? Well, God, may you remind us of the value that, God, you've given each and every single one of us in this room. May, God, we look amazingly beautiful, div, div, uh, beautifully diverse because, God, all of us are bringing our gifts and our care and our love to building what it is that, God, you want us to build. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And every single person said, amen. Amen. Now listen, that's the end of my message. I want you to stay for just a minute with me because that was for the podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I hope you feel really encouraged today. I really do. As a campus pastor, I I want you to walk out of this place encouraged. I want you to walk out here Um, challenged as well. I want you to walk out here looking at your brothers and sisters on the left and the right of you, behind you, in front of you, and say, oh, together, I get it. I'm gonna say this. I I didn't mention this in my message, but when it comes to this campus in the last several weeks, and you've heard uh, heard Eric talk about it, moving back to two services starting the 22nd, we get to celebrate all together baptism on the 15th, which is going to be absolutely amazing. And if, you yet to, if you've yet to been baptized and you're asking questions, oh, please uh, sign up and we'll answer all the questions uh, about that day. And it's going to be amazing. So let's celebrate on the 15th together. And then next week, we'll go back to our two services. We found a lot about um, our families, our young families in this church, that it was really difficult for them to participate in what's life together because we only had one option for them. So being mindful of that. We also learn a lot about when it comes to our kid volunteers, that they are not able to participate in one of these services like maybe you are. And for us to understand that, oh, that's my brother, that's my sister, that's a, that's a member of the body. So when one suffers, we all suffer. If we're all just one big eye, then how do we have a sense of smell or sense of hearing? We all have to come together as one body to create what Jesus is building here. Amen? 
So I'm challenging us when it comes to the participation here at this campus of volunteerism or serving. I don't even know if I love the idea of volunteering. It's serving. You're serving with one another, serving together. We have not seen a lift in those teams for a very, very long time. And our kids, our young families need people to start serving. each and every single week. Our youth is absolutely incredible. In a couple weeks, I'm gonna share more about what's taking place with Isaiah's coming on our team. If you have any questions, immediately you can just ask me, but I wanna talk more about it in two weeks from now. But our youth has an opportunity to grow deeply into the word of God and deeply in discipleship. But friends, they need your gift. They need people to participate and be a part. Our weekend teams need more people to participate and be a part. I'm issuing that challenge to all of us to say, you know what, I can give a week. I can give a couple weeks. And I love looking out in this crowd when I'm able to be up here and see so many beautiful faces that are already doing this. You guys are amazing. And I'm not asking for every single person in this room to step up and do something, because that's a lot. But look, all I'm asking is that you would ask yourself, what gift am I withholding? What can I participate in? What can I give? Amen? And lastly, I'll say this. And again, if you have any questions, you can find me or maybe Eric next week or someone else if I can't answer all your questions. I always say, uh, if my team knows this, I may not be able to answer your question, but I sure as heck can respond to it. You'll get it in a minute. In the last several weeks, this campus meeting in this one service, we've seen a lull in our kids, in our weekend attendance, and in our giving in several weeks. So this message is to issue a challenge and a reminder of what we're building and why it's important and asking all of us, where is it that I can begin to give? Maybe it is financially. Maybe that is the gift that God calls us out in when it comes to the New Testament. Paul talks about this. You have a gift. You are a person that is a gift giver, meaning literal money. God has blessed you to give. Step into that lane. God has given you a gift of hospitality to to set tables for people and love on people in a beautiful way. Step into that gift. God has given you a gift of encouragement with your life. Step into that gift. But this is what I'm issuing a challenge for all of us as a church at Four City Church to step into this. Can we do that together? Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening this week. Uh, hold on one sec, sorry. I'm gonna issue the next thing, what we're gonna do. And, and, let, and as I suffered through my raspy voice, I appreciate you listening even through that. Um, I love you, I appreciate all of you. And what I want us to do, if you leave this door, our team is gonna be out there. Tables are set up kids, youth, and our weekend teams. If you have any questions, flood those tables and ask every single question of that team. If you, have, if you got to jet out and run, that's fine. Scan this QR code and look at all the different serving opportunities here at Forest City Church and find a way to get involved. But I want all of us to begin to step out, head to these tables and find ways. And I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk more about this next week as well. But this is your challenge from me to you. I love you. And I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here on a beautiful Sunday morning. Now, go cheer on your team. If it's the Bears, good luck. 
Um, who knows? Go Cubs, I guess. God bless you all. Thank you so much.